on 89.9 The Light. You're in conversation with Clayton and a man who has had a huge impact uh, across this entire nation uh, through church work, through Youth Alive, through a whole host of various things, has just put out a uh, his new book called My Father's Son, A Generational Story. What a perfect time to talk to him on this Father's Day. Wayne Elkhorn joins me. G'day, Wayne. G'day, Clayton. It's so good to be able to have a, a chat to you. Uh, briefly, can you give us the sort of uh, overarching description of the reason that you even wrote this story before we sort of get pl- uh, this book, before we sort of plow on into it? That's a good question. i tell you why I wrote it. I was asked to. A friend of mine uh, is the leader of the Bible Society in Australia and uh, the a number of expressions, which includes Kurong and a publishing house. And uh, we were in a conversation one day after I'd uh, spoken at a conference and he'd heard it some time ago. And he said, you know what, we need you to write a book and I think it should be on that subject. And I I was glad to because, you know, I spent, as you've already said, regarding, you know, my life, youth alive, I'd spent 20 years almost helping teenagers. And I felt there was a season in my life that I've entered into where it's time to help their dads help them. And so all that came to a head. And, uh, hey, a couple of years later, we've got a book in our hands. Yeah, uh, Wayne, just to step back to maybe for those who don't know much about your world, that uh, you've been a pastor for uh, you know decades now. You've, as you mentioned, been involved in Youth Alive for many, many years. And a uh, big part of setting that up, running that across the country and engaging youth in music and conversations around Jesus. Uh, you're the national president of the Australian Christian Churches. Uh, you're writing books, these sorts of things. It's, faith has always been a part of your world. Was that something that ha- had started from sort of family time for you really early on? Well, firstly, you made me sound really old, mate. The <laughs> I'm sorry. You kept saying, I'm many, sorry. Many years, sorry. many years, many years, many years. <laughs> I was trying <laughs> but, to indicate experience, well, not yeah, age. You but, know. <laughs> Well, you know, I used to run Youth Alive. My boys tell me I need to start a new one called Barely Alive, so that's another day. Um, so, look, um, look, I was born into a preacher's house, and that's a, you know, there's a lot of great things about that, to be honest. But, um, you know, through my life, later high school years and then in through my university years, I really became quite cynical and drifted in faith. So I really didn't come back to being, you know, what you would say is a, a dedicated follower of Jesus until I was in my 20s, early 20s. So um, so faith has defined my life. I grew up in a household of faith. I watched parents who gave their life to that cause. And, you know, obviously for the last 40-something years, that's what I've been doing. So faith was a very real part of it. But, you know, there comes a point in time that you've got to make your own decisions based on convictions you have. Uh, the old preacher, I think it was um, David Wilkerson, who founded... Teen Challenge, he said, God has no grandkids and uh, you don't get anywhere because of your parents' faith. And there's got to come a point in time when you decide to uh, um, to choose or to reject the claims of Christ. And, and as a 20-year-old, that's where I landed. Mm. I, I'm assuming that's also why that had a huge part of being involved in what Youth Alive was, that that was a time in your world and your, your life journey where you were asking those questions, making those serious commitments. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. You know, Clayton, I, um, th- there was a point in, this, in my life when I made a decision to, like, I'm just going to sell my life out to this thought that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. And uh, 
soon after that, it wasn't that long after that, I remember my dad saying to me one day, are you attending the youth program tonight? And I clearly told him that I wasn't because I found it particularly boring. Uh, to which he said, do you think you could do better? And I said, anybody could. So he then gave me the job as youth leader, which was, you know, it was as profound as that, to be quite honest. And, you know, I then started conversations. I had this little, little thought in life that when we start talking, God starts talking. And I started talking to other friends and peers that were doing similar things to what I was. And we realized there needed to be some gathering points where young people could realize they were part of something that was alive, that was life-giving, and you know, could really help them. And something they could actually bring their friends who weren't people of faith, but from school and university, they could bring them to. And ultimately, that's where Youth Alive originated. And that's you know, where it became. We wanted to give, uh, give kids something that was fun and colorful and dare I say it, loud to be part of, um, you know, and in the process, we, we saw hundreds of thousands of young people affected uh, for good. Yeah. Uh, so that is, this is a huge part of your world, being a part of church, uh, as we've talked about mm-hmm. too. We want to specifically zone in on this Father's Day around this idea for, that you have of, of helping, as you said, the, the fathers of these youth now. Um, why do you think this is such a critical space uh, just blanketly like why is it so important to be helping dads because you know again if i can go back to my formative years in leadership i did a lot of work helping kids in trouble and one day it dawned on me i've never been to court or i've never been to a police station with a young person that had a great relationship with their dad and i realized there's an issue here and it's compounded now as time's gone on um marriage breakdown and the effects on the family. Uh, and even, you know, sometimes marriage is, hasn't broken down, but work requirements, the fly in, fly out. There's, there's all kinds of reasons why there's an empty chair at the family table. Sometimes it's, it's unexpected death. Sometimes it's, um, you know, family breakdown. Other times, dad's present in body, but he's not present in attention. And that has a knock-on effect. And... I can't count the number of times that I've become aware of the fact that without the father's love in a young person's life, it seems that nothing and no one can fill it until they have a revelation of the real heartbeat of this book. And that is that there is a God who says, call me father and he'll love you in an unbelievable, unconditional way. So that's what drove the book. Plus the fact that I saw it in my own family through, and again, it's in the story of this book, just the story of my own father, and we might get to talk about that, but he grew up in a highly dysfunctional family and it affected his life right until he was in his mid-20s when he made a decision to save himself. Yeah, yeah. well, we might talk about that in a couple of moments' time. Can we we zone in, too, around when we talk about father, and I suppose I'm especially thinking as well of those who maybe are listening and going, well, you know, I'm I'm not in church like you are, Wayne, or you are, Clayton, all that often. Are you talking about God? What's the difference between God or Jesus? And how do you, as you talk about Father and people hear God and Jesus and those sort of things, how do you distinguish and, and look at the characteristics of what you're meaning when you're talking about sort of God the Father? Well, you're getting into a deep theological <laughs> I wasn't depth trying. here. At, at, uh, on a Sunday, not on Father's Day, when everybody's been around a barbecue. Clayton, <laughs> That's true. okay, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Do you remember what we call the Lord's Prayer? Yeah. When... Jesus' disciples, it's, it's in the book of Luke, one of, one of Jesus' friends. He wrote this book called Luke. And there was a day when some of his disciples watched 
Jesus praying. And he prays a prayer because the, his disciples said, Jesus, we just saw you talking to your father, God the Father, who sent Jesus to represent him into the earth, born of a virgin, right, living a sinless life. He, they watched Jesus pray to God his father and said, could, could you teach us how to pray? We want to connect with the creator of the universe the way you did. And he said, sure, when you pray, pray like this. Now, remember, he, these are Jews that are around him. They knew, they knew God by all these lofty terms, you know, um, Jehovah, El Shaddai. I mean, it, all kinds of incredible, like, wow, big, big time, distant, huge God. Now they're hearing Jesus pray to God and call him Father, our Father. In fact, it's, a, it's an even more intimate term than like that. It's Dad or Daddy. You can call the creator of the universe Daddy. And I'm here to show you him. I'm here to show you his heart and his character. But you can pray, and I will help you pray, and I will help you know him as a father. And it's a radical shift. I can only imagine the jaws dropping mm. as these Jewish men and women were watching Jesus pray and say, pray like this, call him dad. Like, it's a radical shift. And when, when we come to Jesus, he actually shows us who the father is. Yeah. Powerful thought. Yeah, And I know it's it's that concept too, and I, as I've you know, been... Uh, reading up uh, uh, before we had this interview as well, you, you talk actually a bit around one gentleman who was talking to you about this idea of why uh, he he would say, hey, I've been a follower of Jesus for 20, 30 years, but um, when you ask me to pray the Lord's Prayer, I can't do that because I, I can't relate to this father idea, this this dad idea. I had such a bad experience. And, and that is something that is, even for those who maybe have been walking in a life of faith for a long time, it's something that is a part that in one sense they're missing because of an earthly father experience, right? Exactly. Just the word conjures up images and say, call God father. They think of sometimes dysfunction, abandonment, abuse, and it's tragic. In fact, that man that you're referring to, I said to him, so when you pray, do you talk to God, the father? He said, no, no, I talk to Jesus and hope he passes it on. (laughs) Now, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. But in reality, it's actually true because the Bible tells me that Jesus is our our advocate, he sits at the right hand of the Father and he represents us to the Father. I get that. But what he's saying is there's a blockage for me. I can't call God Father because my Father was so cruel. Yeah. And God wants to heal that part of our life. He doesn't want us to stay stuck in that space. Yeah. And, and, you know, that yeah. man, I've been able to walk with him and actually see him actually begin to make progress in that area of his life, which is great. Yeah, it's great. Wayne, is it a way that we need to then think about um, God the Father in the right way? Or is it, you sort of mentioned that uh, that the path of healing. Is it more that, um, you know, it's not like if we all think of the word daddy and then that's going to really help us, right? Or is it more actually, I, I want to have a, a posturing towards this idea. Um, I understand that I have a whole lot of blocks and, and I'm willing to start a journey towards that. Is there, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's important, but is there a is there a magic bullet that helps us take those first steps, I suppose, is what I'm asking? Yeah, it's a decision. It's a decision to start a journey where our hearts are healed. You know, there's, there's a little verse in the Bible. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's, it's not really what we say. It's where it comes from. And you can tell where somebody's at from the inside by what you hear them say. And we can use all the words. And this is where, this is the difference between just having a religious experience versus a genuine relationship with God. 
You can have all the words, and it all can sound right and look right, but if it's not sincere, that, that, that will show. But when there's a genuine work of God in our heart, it'll come out. And, and I think that you said the magic bullet is really the starting point, and that is God, I'm actually going to let you heal my beat-up heart. And every one of us have got areas in our life that God just needs to do a work on the inside. That's the beauty of the Christian faith, is it's not about what it looks like on the outside. I know some genuine followers of Jesus that don't look that great. They're a bit shabby on the outside, but wow, on the inside it's getting healed. Versus people who dress it up and make it look all look fancy, but on the inside it's all broken. God wants to flip that and heal us from the inside out. And that's where it starts. God, I've got disappointments in my past. I've got regrets. I've got areas where I felt like nobody was there for me. Even my own father, he let me down. But God, I'm going to ask you to help me forgive. I'm going to ask you to start a work of your healing by your grace in my life. Then, hey, anything can happen from that point. Yeah, Love that. Uh, this Father's Day, we're having a chat to Wayne Alcorn. He's the author of this book, My Father's Son, A Generational Story. Um, what we are going to do, we've been talking very much in this part of the conversation in those broader brushstrokes and those theories and the understandings and and the choices but we want to get down into some of the the real practical stories to hear some of those stories and as Wayne said mentioned even his own father's story so we're going to come back and with some of those uh, real stories of, of people's lives to show how this gets put into practice that's on the way next here you're in conversation with Clayton and this Father's Day it's an absolute privilege to be able to have a chat to Wayne Elcorn. now he has multiple hats uh, national president of the Australian Christian churches he's been a pastor uh, for many years, as we've been talking about Youth Alive, all sorts of things. But we're specifically this Father's Day focusing on his book, My Father's Son, and his great heart as well uh, about generational care and, and uh, helping fathers understand uh, what it means to be following uh, the true Father, Father God in that regards too. Wayne, we've talked a whole lot of various, you know, big picture ideas and thoughts and concepts uh, in our, our first part of our discussion. I'm wondering about, can we get down to some of those really specific stories? And I know you mentioned your own father and looking at him and some of that journey. Could you share some of that story with us? Yeah, my dad was my hero. And uh, this is my second Father's Day without him. Um, he was a character, larger than life. Um, and, you know, we said goodbye to him in October of 2021. And the man that we farewelled and honoured on that Wednesday morning is very different to the man who walked the streets of a country town called Dolby 70 years earlier. Um, the book tells his story at length, but um, my dad's father had been married three times, was a World War I vet, um, had been through all kinds of pain. And, you know, the old story, hurt people, help people, hurt people. Um, there was a level of that in my father's father. And it resulted in my dad's dad died when by the time he was 19. And, and then from there, my father spiraled even further. I remember asking my dad one day, and, and I discovered this. I don't know what, about older women, but as men get into their later life, 80s, 90s, they want to tell you their whole story. And I, I had some very meaningful conversations with my dad who, by the way, never told his story in front of me other than once in my entire life. Mm. He just said, that's, that's not me anymore, which was amazing. Um, but I did get him to share his story once, and then as he got older, I'd go and sit in his little unit. He'd tell me more. And, uh, you know, he told me from when his father died from 19, 
a father that, you know, I said to him one day, what did your dad think of you? He said, I don't know. He never told me. And uh, there was all kinds of, there were just voids there in that relationship. So from 19 to 24, my father spiraled out of control. He got into trouble with the police. He uh, became the town drunk. There's a point in his life when um, he was just such a mess, he had no teeth. He uh, was in trouble with the law and got to a point at 24 years of age, he decided it was just not worth living. And, you know, he's lying in a cell on a Sunday thinking, you know, no one cares if I live or die, so I might as well just get out of their road. So he went to a friend's house and he asked for the gun that was in that house. And, and to his shock, and we would now say that somehow in the midst of it was just the goodness and kindness of God. That gun wasn't in the house. It had been loaned to a cousin to go shooting. So my father planned to end it all. So he thought, what am I going to do? And the only thing really happening in Dolby, it's a small country town up here. It's a little bigger now, but up on the Darling Downs, so I thought, I'm just going to go and do what I do on some Sunday nights. I'm just going to go down Main Street and I'm going to heckle the Christians that are singing down on the corner. And there was a, an old guy who ended up becoming my dad's one of my dad's closest friends. His name was Harold. Harold's standing on the back of a truck and he's preaching a simple message using the words of Jesus, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. My dad's standing there with all his mates. My dad wasn't wearing shoes. He didn't even have a shirt on, right? He's quite drunk. And they're laughing at these people, telling their stories of faith and Harold doing his little sermon. And at the end, a group of singers stepped up, about five or six of them, and they sung a song. And it's an old, famous hymn. It says, come home, come home, all who are weary, come home. And something dropped in my father's heart, and he thought, you know what, that's me. And he stepped out of the crowd, and his mate thought, oh, here he goes, Alex, again. He's going to go and pick another fight. And to their shock, when he arrived... And found himself at that truck. He dropped to his knees in the gutter. And a man came up to him and said, Son, do you want to pray the sinner's prayer? And he said, I don't know what the blank, blank sinner's prayer is, mate, but I need to talk to God. And he said, God, if you'll help me, even if you'll help me get up because I'm so drunk, but if you'll help me stand up and if you'll help me navigate life, I'll follow you for the rest of my days. And that's what he did. And, you know, not so long later, he went to Bible college, met my mum. They got married four years later. And uh, to be honest, Clayton, I wasn't born into the home that was like his life. Mm. I was born into a home that was filled with love and kindness. But it just changed everything. And so wind the clock forward 70 years. I remember my niece, she steps up to the mic, the, the grandkids, five grandkids to my dad. They all honored this old patriarch. And my niece stood up and she looked at this huge photo that was on the screen in one of our buildings. And she looked, and this big crowd gathered. It was huge, to be honest. And she looked at them, and she looked at the photo, and she said, I wonder what the people that saw my granddad staggering through a small country town 70 years ago would think of this crowd that's here to honor him mm. and this patriarch has given us such a legacy. And then she, she, she just could have dropped the mic. She said, the only difference between that drunk and this hero was Jesus. Mm. It's amazing. And, and literally, that one decision, Clayton, changed his life and our entire family tree. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And, and, and there are people tonight, today, for some people, Father's Day, it's, it's a great day, celebration, and there's family all around and barbecues and all that. For other people, it's been a tough day, a real tough day, and I get it. You know, some fathers may have regrets. Some sons and daughters may have a sense of, you know, 
the failings of a generation before them, and, and, and I get it. But but if I could, if I could speak to everyone right now, I'd simply say, just take a moment and just invite a God who cares for you to actually come and speak to your heart, and He will actually take you forward despite the problems of your past. You can't change your past, but your future can look different if you make the right decisions today. Absolutely. And, um, you know, maybe as you're hearing what Wayne's saying to you, that you're thinking, I, I, I just need to talk this through with someone, right? Can, would someone stand next to me like we just heard, you know, Wayne's dad had somebody there standing next to him. This is why our care line's there. Um, and they are there right now, every single day Wonderful. of the year. If you just want to give them a call, uh, talk to them. They can even pray with you if you like. The number 9583-2273. Or 9583CARE if you use the letter pad on your phone 9583CARE Wayne thank you so much for sharing that story it's uh, so powerful what what um, Jesus does do to change our world and to change our life uh, from wherever it might be as we go um, as we do sort of wrap up our conversation I have a couple of questions I want to ask specifically as we we do sit in this Father's Day and, and as you mentioned you know maybe things aren't perfect and I, I want to frame it from that way and I suppose the first would be if it's a a dad themselves who's been listening to your story and they're going, you know what, I I think maybe I haven't quite been where I'm supposed to be. I, I haven't been engaged with the kids or I haven't been looking at the right things or I haven't been approaching what I need to do. What would be your encouragements for a dad who's perhaps a bit convicted by uh, the fact that they want to make sure by next Father's Day they are a far better dad? Uh, what would be your encouragement? What's their, their first steps? Don't beat yourself up. You're not going to get anywhere doing that. Have honest conversations. Have an honest conversation with the man in the mirror. Have an honest conversation to your God and ask him to help you. And then ultimately, have an honest conversation with your kids. Tell them, I can do better. I want to do better. Tell them that you love them unconditionally and that you want to see a future that's better for both them and for you. Start somewhere. Just start from a place of loving them and just acknowledging you're a flawed human being. Hey, welcome to the human race. We all are. And just say, hey, you know what? I think we can have a future that's going to be better than what it is. Some, of, some men listening to this right now, you weren't even able to be with your kids today. And, and, and that makes it pretty challenging. Maybe you're not able to actually have a face-to-face -face with them. Maybe it's just time to drop them a little note. Just drop a letter and say, maybe there's some way that we can start moving forward together. Uh, the, the flip is the other question I want to ask, and that's um, mm. if there's a child who's maybe a teenager, um, maybe they're even older than that, and, and the relationship with dad has not been good, um, mm. what's your encouragement for them? Um, is it to, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't presume, but they're thinking, hey, look, this is, dad doesn't seem to be changing. This isn't ha having this space. This, these, these things aren't occurring, and I haven't had this opportunity to, to grow like that and he doesn't seem to be changing what would be your encouragement to them well firstly forgive them um, I'm sure we've all got disappointments I guarantee my sons have got disappointments with me none of us are perfect and all of us failed in certain areas I, I get that so forgive them um, I'm not sure the levels of trust you can rebuild quickly that's something that each of us have to determine but I, I think um, just just start this level of conversation that that's, that allows them to maybe 
tell you a little of their story. It's interesting, you know, when you start meeting people and you hear their story, all of a sudden the penny drops. We start learning the why behind the what. And a lot of people's dysfunction flows out of things that happened in their past. And, you know, that, again, if I can refer back to my own father, even my dad in his 90s, he was a preacher all my life. He still, he acknowledged he still wrestled with insecurity, even in his latter years. It's because of stuff that happened in his formative stage. And it's possible that a dad who you think failed them was maybe on the receiving end of a failed situation in their family growing up too. So maybe God can give you a little bit of understanding, a little bit of care for them. It doesn't excuse what they did. I'm not here to pardon or excuse anybody. But it, it might just help you expand your capacity to understand and love them with all of their faults and their problems. Wayne, uh, thank you so much on this Father's Day to uh, A, sharing your story and your dad's story. Um, and uh, as uh, you did share too, you know, we, we put our heart goes to you, our prayers to you as well in the second Father's Day without your dad. And, and all of what it is for so many today as you've been recognizing as well. We, we certainly know this is one of those days full of emotion in a whole lot of various areas. So thank you so much for sharing so much of your time with us tonight as well. We really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Have a good one. Wayne Alcorn, he is the author of My Father's Son, A Generational Story here on 89.9 The Light.